Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Welcome. It is another beautiful day. The sun is out here in Dallas, Texas, where we are, and we're at a comfortable 74 degrees, low humidity. Uh, It's beautiful. We're going to go out and enjoy the day today in just a little bit. But first, we need to start off in the Word, as we always do, making sure that we are um, putting first things first, keeping the Lord's center in all that we do. And um, I need to see if my... If my, my dad jokes are still here, there we, there we go. I thought I lost them for a second. Let me see if I can locate a good one for us. I hope I can. Where are they? Come on. I got everything set up except for the, the dad jokes, of course. There we are. Show more. All right, I'm going to find one. I'm relentless here. I was addicted to the hokey pokey, but I turned myself around. I guess probably have to be old, old to know that one. Um, today, my son asked, can I have a bookmark? I burst into tears. 11 years old, and he still doesn't know my name, Brian. <laughs> oh, can I have a bookmark? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Why didn't Han Solo enjoy his steak dinner? It was chewy. <laughs> Poor chewy. Okay. Well, if you guys can open up your Bibles, we will look at First Chronicles 6 today, long chapter. And so it, on, the, on the, uh, the calendar, it was only Psalm six, but I added, I mean, sorry, first Chronicles six. I added Psalm 81 and 88. That's our reading for tomorrow. Just to give a little bit, give us a break for all the reading tomorrow. So let's pray, pray that I can pronounce these names correctly, but let's pray and, and uh, offer God our day. So, um, okay. Sorry, I got a lot of chirping going on. Sorry about that. I don't know how to keep out that chirping. But we will um, we'll pray and ask God to bless the day. Father God, thank you for this morning. And we do ask God that you would bless and guide us as we come into this time in your word. We desire God to seek your face early in the morning, wherever we are. And God, to give you our hearts and our lives. So guide us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's see how we do this morning on these names. Let me give it my best shot. And also get it over here where I can read it and not be looking over to the side. The priestly line, the genealogy, as we're in Chronicles, we're chronicling the genealogical line of the tribes. And we've been moving through the tribes. This is, now we start off with the Levi. So here it says, the sons of Levi were Gershom, Koath, Merari. The sons of Koath were Amram, Ishar, Hebron, and Uziel. The children of Amram were were Aaron and Moses, Miriam, and the sons of Aaron were Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. Eleazar became the father 
of Peneus. And Peneus became the father of, a, of Abishua. Abishua became the father of Buki. Buki became the father of Uzi. Uzi became the father of the Zazariah. Zariah. Um, Zariah became the father of Marioth. Marioth became the father of Amariah. And Amariah became the father of Ahitab. And Ahitab became the father of Zadok. And Zadok became the father of Ahamaaz. And Ahimaaz became the father of Azariah. And Azariah became the father of Jonah. Jonah became the father of Azariah. It was he who served as the priest in the house which Solomon built in Jerusalem. And Azariah became the father of Amariah. Amariah became the father of Hittab. Ahitab became the father of Zadok. Zadok became the father of Shalom. Shalom became the father of Hilkiah. And Hilkiah became the father of Azariah. Azariah became the father of Sarariah. And Sarariah became the father of Jehozadak. Jehozadak became the lord Jehoshadak went along when the Lord carried Judah and Jerusalem away into exile by Nebuchadnezzar. The sons of Levi were Gershom, Koath, and Merari. These are the names of the sons of Gershom, Libni, and Shemai. The fathers of Koath were Amram, Ishar, Hebron, Uziel, and Merari were Mali, Mushi. And these were the families of the Levites according to their father's households. Of Gershom, Libni, his son, Jaath, his son, Zima, his son, Joah, his son, Edu, his son, Zerah, his son, Jahatharai, his son, the son of Koath were Aminadab, his son, Korah, his son, Asir, his son, Elkanah, his son, Ibsaf, his son, Asir, his son, Tarath, his son, Tahath, Zuriel, his son, Uzziah, his son, Shaul, his son, the son of Elkanah, were Amashai and Ashimoth. And Elkanah, the sons, as for Elkanah, his sons, Elkanah and were Zophai, his son, and Nahath, his son, Eliab, the son of Jerom, his son, Elkanah, his son, and the sons of Samuel were Joel, his firstborn, and Abijah, the second. The sons of Merari were, were Mali, Libni, his son, Shemai, his son, Uzzah, his son, Shem, Shemiah, his son, Haggiah, his son, Asiah, um, his son. Now these are, are those whom David appointed over the service of song in the house of the Lord after the ark rested there. They ministered with song before the tabernacle of the tent of meeting until Solomon had built the house of the Lord in Jerusalem, and they served in their office according to their order. These are those who served with their sons from the sons of uh, from the sons of Korath and Haman, the singer. The son of, of Joel, the son of Samuel, the son of Elkanah, the sons of Joram, the sons of Eliel, the son of Toa, the son of Zuk, the son of Elkanah, the son of Mahath, the son of Amasai, the sons of Elkanah, the son of Joel, the son of Hazariah, the son of Zephaniah, the son of Tahath, the son of Asir, 
the son of, of Abibasaf, the son of Korah, the son of Ishar, Ishar, the son of Koath, the son of Levi, the son of Israel, Haman's brother Asaph, stood at the right hand. Even Asaph, the son of Berechiah, the son of Shemaiah, the son of Michael, the son of Beshaiah, the son of Melchijah, I think, Melchijah, the son of Ethni, the son of Zerah, the son of Adiah, no, Adaiah, the son of Ethan, the son of Zima, the son of Shemai, or Shemai, the son of Jahath, the son of Gershom, the son of Levi. On the left hand were the kinsmen, the sons of Merari, Ethan, the son of Kishi, the son of Abdi, the son of Moloch, Moloch, the son of Hashabiah, the sons of Amaziah, the son of Hilkiah, the son of Amzi, the son of Bani, the son of Shemir, the son of Mali, the son of Mushi, the son of Merari, the son of Levi, their kinsmen, the Levites, were appointed to all the services of the tabernacle of the house of God. But Aaron and his sons offered on the altar of the burnt offerings and on the altar incense for all the work of the most holy place to make atonement for Israel according to all that Moses, the servant of God, had commanded. Now these are the sons of Aaron, Eleazar the son, Peneas his son, Abish, um, Ab Abishua his son, Buki his son, Uzi his son, Zariah uh, his son, Miriath his son, Amariah his son, Ahitab his son, Zadok his son, Ahamaz his son. These are their settlements according to their camps within their borders to the sons of of Aaron of the families of the Kothites, for theirs was the first lot. To them they gave Hebron in the land of Judah and its pastures lands around it. But the fields of the cities and its villages they gave to Caleb the son of Jephunneh. The sons of, uh, to the sons of Aaron they gave the following cities of refuge: Hebron, Libna, also with its pasture lands, Jatir, Eshtemoa, and its pasture lands. Helen, the pasture lands, Debir in his pasture lands, Ashan in his pasture lands, Beth Shemesh in his pasture lands, and from the tribe of Benjamin, Giba with his pasture lands, Alimeth with his pasture lands, and Anathoth with his pasture lands. All their cities throughout the families were 13 cities. Then to the rest of the sons of Koab were given by lot from the family of the tribe, from the half tribe in there and the half um, of Manasseh, 10 tribes. To the, to the sons of Gershom, according to their families, were given from the tribes of Issachar and from the tribes of Asher and the tribe of Naphtali and the tribe of Manasseh, 13 cities in Bashan. To the sons of Merari were given by lot, according to their families, from the tribe of Reuben, the tribe of Gad, and the tribe of Zebulun, 12 cities. So the sons of Israel gave to the Levites their cities and their pasture lands. They gave by lot from the tribes of the sons of Judah, the tribe of the sons of Simeon, and the tribes of the sons of Benjamin, these cities which were mentioned by name. Now the sons, now some of the families of the sons of Koath had cities in their territories from the tribe of Ephraim. They gave to them their following cities of refuge, Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim, with his pasture lands, Gezer also with his pasture lands, Jokmiam, 
and its pasture lands, Beth Horan with its pasture lands, Ajalon with its pasture lands, and Gath Rimmon with its pasture lands. And from the half tribe of Manasseh, Anner with his pasture lands, and Biliam with his pasture lands, for the rest of the family of the sons of Korath. And from the sons of Gershom were given, from the family of the half tribe of Manasseh, Goan and Bashan and its pasture lands, and Ashtaroth with its pasture lands from the tribe of Ishakar, Kadesh from its pasture lands, Dibirath with his pasture land, Rimnath with his pasture lands, Anim with his pasture lands from the tribe of Asher, Mashal with his pasture lands, Abdon with his pasture lands, Hakuk with his pasture lands, and Reab with his pasture lands and from the tribe of Naphtali, Kadesh in the Galilee with his pasture lands, Hamon with his pasture lands, and Kiriathium with his pasture lands. The rest of the Levites and the sons of Merari were given from the tribe of Zebulun. Ramono with his pasture lands, Tabor with his pasture lands. And beyond the Jordan, at Jericho, on the east side of the Jordan, were given them from the tribe of Reuben, Bezir, Bezer, from the wilderness of the pasture lands, Jaz, um, Jaza with his pasture lands, Kedemoth with his pasture lands, and Mephrath with his pasture lands. And from the tribe of Gad, Rem, uh, Remoth in Gilead with his pasture lands, Mehranim with his pasture lands, Heshbon with his pasture lands, and Jazir with his pasture lands. And there we go with a lot of Levites with a lot of pasture lands. What does it all mean? Why are we being told this? Well, for reasons we don't know, obviously there's so much of scripture that is hidden that is yet to be revealed or it is being revealed <laughs> through prophecy. But overall, we have to remember that the Levites, those that were faithful, those who were appointed to service um, in the tabernacle. Aaron being part, uh, being a part of the tribe of Judah, but being called out. Um, being the Levites, the sons of Aaron were the priests. The Levites, the sons of um, the sons of Levi, were then those who ministered in the tabernacle or the temple later, they were not given territory. They were given uh, just plots of land around certain cities. Remember, we have the cities of refuge, 13 cities of refuge, which are placed all around the promised land, including on the east side of the Jordan. Those were the cities that people could run to if they committed uh, manslaughter, not accidentally, if something happened and they needed protection because they didn't have a police force they needed protection from the avenger of blood, but they would go there and wait for trial, and they could be protected. They would, could gain sanctuary. So the word sanctuary came into use and why churches tried using it later on in history. Um, although we never got any, any um, New Testament uh, directive of the use of sanctuary within a church, but they used it from the Old Testament concept of the sanctuary cities or cities of refuge, really. And so this is a description of where those cities were, which tribes uh, within the whole family of Levi could have access or could utilize the pasture lands around there for their flock. So they, they could have their own probably income, but certainly um, because really, well, that's true. Few food source, not not all served in the tabernacle or temple. There was way too many of them. They rotated. 
So they didn't have large patches of land like the rest of the tribes of Israel, large sections for their families. They had pasture lands around the city. They lived in the city to minister to the people, teaching them God's word. Their focus was to be on ministry, not on farming or ranching. But they were given these fields to take uh, to keep their, their own herds in and their flocks. So they had a food source and probably a, perhaps a small income, although relied heavily upon the, the donations that came into the tabernacle and temple. Uh, so those are the families, the description of where they were. And so Israel would know what belongs to who and where these people were to be distributed. And again, they were to be distributed all over the place. Why? Because Israel's now debined. The tribes are moving away from each other. They were all camped around the tabernacle for 40 years so they could have come right into the fellowship of the Lord. All of the, the, the Levites, the sons of Aaron, were all together around the tabernacle. Now as they go out to, to inherit the promised land, they need those ministering saints, to those ministering believers, um, the Levites, to go out with them to keep them focused on what the law taught, on how to walk with God, and to keep and keep reminding them to take the journey, to, to celebrate the festivals, to keep going back to the altar of the Lord. So again, the New Testament, since we, we have the Holy Spirit to do this work, we do have the ministry of pastors and um, missionaries and different things to do this kind of, of work, but it is, um, it's a whole different setup. We all are now essentially priests. We all essentially are included in the tribe of Levi, if you want to get technical in one sense. Um, so we all, and we don't, our inheritance is, again, not like, unlike Israel, this is interesting because Israel and the Jews in general have always been promised the land. That's their inheritance. Even to today, they still have the promise of the land, and they will inhabit all of the land of Israel that was once promised to them by God in the future. And they're back in the land now, but they're going to inherit everything, a huge, huge portion, part of Iraq, all of Jordan, part of Syria, even going down to parts in the, in the um, Sinai Peninsula, and those just a little bit in there. So anyway... Uh, this is their inheritance. Our inheritance is just like the Levites. Our inheritance is the Lord. Our inheritance is to be ministering saints before the throne of God. We are chosen and we will reign with him and we will minister before him and we'll even have authority over the angels. It's mind-blowing. Can't even, can't even comprehend Um the position that we have uh, in the future and, and essentially what we have spiritually now. Psalm 81 now says, God's goodness and Israel's waywardness. A Psalm of Asaph. Sing for joy to God, our strength. Shout joyfully to the God of Jacob. Raise a song, strike a timbrel, the sweet-sounding lyre with the harp. Blow the trumpet at the new moon, at the full moon on the feast day. For it was a statute for Israel, an ordinance for the God of Jacob, and he established it for a testimony of Joseph. When he went throughout the land of Egypt, I heard a language that I did not know. I relived 
his shoulder. I relieved, I'm sorry, I relieved his, his shoulder of the burden. His hands were freed from the basket. You called in trouble and I rescued you. I answered you in the hiding place of thunder. I proved you at the waters of Mirabah. Hear, O my people, and I will admonish you. O Israel, if you would listen to me, let there be no strange God among you, nor shall you worship any other foreign God. I, the Lord, am your God, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. But my people did not listen to my voice, and Israel did not obey me. So I gave them over to the stubbornness of their heart, to walk in their own devices. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways, that I would quickly subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their adversaries. Those who hate the Lord would pretend obedience to him, and their time of punishment would be forever. But I would feed you with the finest of wheat and with honey, and from the rock I would satisfy you. Psalm 81, a beautiful psalm. The first part I have all highlighted because it's, it, it reminds me what we do in worship, to sing for joy to the Lord and our strength. Shout joyfully to the God of Jacob. Raise a song. Strike a timbrel. Sweet-sounding lyre in the harp. Blow the trumpet of the new moon. So they were to worship God with all of their heart and all of their soul, all of their mind, coming back to the, the whole theme of Deuteronomy. And the new moon was to celebrate. Um, it was They used the new moon for, for their calendar to mark off their feasts. And it was the beginning of... Passover, you know, when you or the or the or the the harvest season, and they had different trumpets and different feasts that they would mark off by the the full moon, and so it was a time of celebration because God was was blessing the the tribe of Israel, and I, I would imagine it's also because in one sense He gives He's giving light uh, a great amount of light, and in the midst of the darkness as well, although it's not really mentioned there, but. Um, he says, because he blows the trumpet a new moon on our feast day, for it is a statue to Israel, ordinance of Jacob. So it was established that Israel would have a lunar calendar. That's why Passover, we Easter changes year to year because they follow the moon, cycle of the moon. And, uh, and this was a sign to them. And it's still going to be a sign to Israel today and into the future, because in the future, <laughs> we're going to see some, some things happen with the moon. And, uh, but that's all prophetic and in the future. So not to be concerned with that now. Psalm 88, petition to be saved from death, a psalm of the sons of Korah for the choir director, according to the Mahalath, Limnath, and Mizkal of Haman. The Ezraite. So this is written by Heman. Heman, I guess. Not the one that was Queen Esther had to deal with. Um, o Lord, the God of my salvation, I have cried out by day and in the night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. For my soul has had enough troubles. My life has drawn near to Sheol. I am reckoned among those who go down to the pit. I've become like a man without strength, forsaken among the dead. Let the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, and they are cut off from your hand, 
You have put me in the lowest pit, in the dark places, and in the depths. Your wrath has rested upon me, and you have afflicted me with your waves. You have removed my acquaintances far from me. You have made me an object of loathing to them. I am shut up and cannot go out. My eyes are, wa are wasted away because of affliction. I have called upon you every day, O Lord. I have spread out my hands to you. Will you perform wonders from the dead? Will the departed spirits rise and praise you? Will your loving kindness be declared in the grave? Your faithfulness in Abaddon? Will your wonders be made known in the darkness and your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O oh Lord, have cried out to you for help. And in the morning, my prayers come, my prayer comes before you. O oh Lord, why do you reject my soul? Why do you hide your face from me? I was afflicted and about to die from my youth on. I suffer your terrors. I am overcome. You bring burning anger and passed over me. Your burning anger passed over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. They have surrounded me like water all day long. They have encompassed me altogether. You have removed lover, you have removed lover and friend far from me. My acquaintances are in darkness. Don't know the full context of this psalm, of this, the writer of the psalm, of what he was going through. It would have really been nice to know what human was going through. But we do know that this was often the case that the psalmist would cry out in their anguish to the Lord. How many of us cry out? We don't really cry out to God until we're in trouble and everything's going wrong. Everything at that time, we're like, okay, thanks God, I'm fine now. I'll get a hold of you when I got a problem. That tends to be what happened in the Old Testament too. And here, this person is in dire distress. The soul is in trouble and they feel that their life has been drawn near to death. They feel like they're dying. They feel like everything is going wrong. Now, could this be likened to depression? Probably so. Probably to severe depression. It could be he has physical enemies after him um, that want to take his life. But whatever it is, he has become a man without strength, forsaken among the dead like the slain who lie in the grave who are remembered no more. That pretty much describes somebody that has feels like life has given up on them and they want to give up on life. Your wrath has rested upon me. Now here is what happens when, when we tend to get depressed or things are going wrong. We tend to think that it's God's wrath resting upon us. Not his, either his refiner's hand to purify us, or simply because we live in a fallen world. There's so much that happens that is, uh, I would say, neutral theologically, at least from my perspective, from a non-Calvinist perspective, that because I still believe we have free will, I believe that um, there are things that go on in this world that are just a part of the fallen world, and we can get caught up in it. If you lived in Ukraine and we're having a beautiful life, and all of a sudden, an army moves in and bombs your house and destroys everything around you, and maybe somebody in your family dies, you could feel that that really quite quickly, quite easily, that you've been brought down to the to the pit, to the lowest places of the earth, and you can think that God's wrath has rested upon you, and his waves has afflicted you and, and, and flowed over you, and that, that he's removed his acquaintance from you, 
and, is, and that God has made you an object of his loathing, when in fact, you were just at the wrong place at the wrong time. Could you say God knew that was going to come? Yeah, I probably did. But God does uh, allows this fallen world to function as it is, and we are to, in the midst of it, know that we can still praise him, that know that he's still in control. Um, this is one of the one of the things of being a Christian that is is takes the, the mature believer to to maintain his perspective, God's perspective. Think about what Paul went through, what Peter went through, what John went through. They walked with the Lord, they had fellowship with the Lord, they healed the sick, they raised people from the dead, and yet they were thrown in jail, they were beaten, they were rejected. They had to run for their lives sometimes. Did that mean God's wrath was upon them and God had rejected them? Not at all. It simply meant that in this world, God says you will have tribulation in the minor sense, the little tribulation. You'll have problems. And when you're a believer, you tend to get more problems because the world doesn't like that. So we tend to get our perspective wrong. We tend to think God's out to get me. Everything's going wrong. That's proof that God's not blessing me. The prosperity gospel which I reject totally, would then add to that and say, well, yeah, you're suffering all this stuff because you haven't tithed you know, $10,000 to our TV ministry. And so you get all these even Christians that will say, oh, no, you're suffering because you're not tithing and you're not, you're not naming it and claiming it. Um, what we need to do is really do what the psalmists do and do what I read that other psalmist, uh, the psalm of Asaph, that he thought the righteous were getting away with everything, that the, that the just suffer and the unjust just get blessed their entire life. And he says, it seems so unfair. Everything I'm going through is so unfair. He says, until I came into the sanctuary of God, until I came in, worshiped before him and realized, hey, wait a minute. What I am destined for is eternity as the son of a king or as the wife of Christ, as the bride of Christ, to be ruling and reigning for eternity with a new body in heaven in the streets of gold in the new Jerusalem with no pain, no sorrow, no suffering, no sadness, joy unimaginable, grace flowing day by day, the Son of God shining upon all around in the glory of God with the angels and worshiping God, things we can't even begin to conceive of. He says, when I thought of that, then I realized, hey, okay, you know, I'm stuck in a bad world and I'm stuck in a bad situation, but the unrighteous is going to pay. They will pay. It's not wishful thinking. It's not wishful thinking at all. It is the truth of God that he's established. So we know that in this world, we're going to be in situations we suffer and we can get pumped out. And we can cry out to God and say, God, why are you rejecting me? Why do you hide your face from me? Why do I feel so far away from you? But God will bring us into, the, into his inner chamber and he will speak quietly to us and he will minister to us and when we stop long enough to listen to him, he'll simply say, do you love me? Yeah, I love you. I haven't rejected you. Peter needed to understand that even in his sin, Jesus had not rejected him. And that God brought him back in and was going to use him. And he still does that with us. So we can get discouraged. We can get beat down. But that has nothing to do with God's love for you. It has nothing to do with his plan for your life. He will bring you through this, and he will bring you out of it. It just maintains. It, it takes the, the mindset 
that I'm going to wait on God and let him deal with the situation, bring me out of it. That is where God wants us to rest. And I imagine, because we read about it yesterday, that Charles Spurgeon probably has a lot to say about this. Uh, he did yesterday, so we'll see what he says today. Today is June 4th, exceedingly precious. They shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I wake when I make my jewels, Malachi 3.17, <laughs> they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels. Interesting. The day is coming in which the crown jewels of the great king shall be counted, that it may be seen whether they answer to the, in, the inventory which his father gave him. My soul will doubt be among the precious things of Jesus. Thou art precious to him, if he is precious to thee, and thou shall be his in that day. If he is thine in this day. In the days of Malachi, the chosen, the Lord, were accustomed, accustomed so to converse with each other that their God himself listened to their talk. He liked it so well that he took notice of it, yet, yes, and made a book of it, which he longed, which he lodged in his record office, pleased with their conversation. He was so pleased with them. Pause, my soul, and ask thyself if Jesus, uh, L U C R E, no, yeah, if Jesus. Lucre to listen to the talk, would he be pleased with it? Is it to his glory and to the edification of the brotherhood? Say, my soul, to be sure thou saveth the truth. Say, my soul, to be sure thou sayest the truth. But what will the honor be to us poor creatures to be reckoned by the Lord and to be his crown jewels? The honor shall all have the saints. Jesus not only says, they're mine, but they shall be mine. He bought us, sought us, brought us in, and has, and has so far wrought us to his image that we shall be, that we shall be uh, fraught by his soul with all his might, that we shall be fought. No? Yeah, <laughs> with all soul. Sorry, the old King James gets me a little bit. I'm still working on that one word up there that, that, I, that I have never seen before. But we'll, uh, we'll let that one go. We're going to have to look that one up. So here's the, here's the essence of the whole thing, that he is, he's invested himself in us. And we are his crown jewels. We are his jewels. We are his, and we shall be his. The day is coming where... where where the king shall come and establish his, his throne on earth. And we are his inventory. We are the crowns. We are what he died for. And he, he will raise us up. And he will say, thou art mine. You're mine. But all this interesting says that will all happen if we say that he is ours. If we now on the earth ask Jesus to be Lord and Savior and say, Lord, you're mine. You're my Lord. You're my Savior, my Lord. Then he will say, thou art mine. And so 
we have this interesting, interesting relationship with Jesus where he chooses us and we choose him. <laughs> How's that? That's a good position to, to take. He chooses us, but we choose him. And it's mutual. So with that bit of wisdom and that understanding the scriptures and understanding the book of Chronicles of the tribes and their establishment within the land and their, and their cities of refuge and why they got them and the beauty of the knowledge of the Psalms, knowing that God can reach us, even the darkest moments of our life. Let's give him the rest of this day, ask him to bless it and pray for those that have needs. So Father God, thank you for those that are in times of distress and times of need. And we need to look at these things and read these Psalms where the psalmist is depressed and the psalmist feels like life is waning away and there's no hope because so many people in the world are feeling that way right now. And we, Father, want to be the people of hope. We want to be the people that brings them into an understanding of your greatness and your goodness and that you're, you're steadfast in all that you do. So, Father, touch them and let us be your people of joy because your joy is contagious. And people that are looking and hurting look for other people that they know are happy. And that's the probably the strongest attraction to the gospel, seeing someone who has peace and joy in their life. And people say, I want that. I need that. So, Father, let our witness today be that of joy and let us be joyful and uh, God, that we could share the love of Christ, that we could help people that are in need. Make us your ambassadors, God, and help us to realize that we are important. Let no one listening to this or finding this later ever think that they're not loved by you or that you've abandoned them. Let them realize that you're, they are precious in your sight and that you are continuing, God, to minister to them that the fact that they're listening and seeing this or hearing this now is the very proof that you love them because you reached out and touched them this this day so thank you for that god and continue to raise us up raise up our continents god and help us focus our eyes steadfast on you and your cross and the glory of what you've done for us on the cross so that we know that you paid the price for our sins we were that important to you and let's walk in that and father we pray we can also walk with you in in wholeness that we could walk in our healing, that where we have our needs, God, you would continue to heal our bodies and touch them. Our bodies are getting old for many of us and starting to wear out, but God, we pray that you would revitalize them, God, bring new life into them so that we continue to walk with you until you come again. So we pray for those struggling, God, dealing with the cancer issues, dealing with the, the difficulties of, of um, needing surgery, to correct issues. God, may you please heal their bodies supernaturally and God heal them through the hands of the surgeon. We place them in your hands, God, and especially think of Karen Skoog this morning and, and her love for you and her dedication to you, God, her being such a strong mother and a good wife. And God, we ask that you would bless her in her time of need. And God, you would let her husband minister and her daughter minister and all those around her continue to minister to her, God. We pray that she would uh, get the, the exact right treatment that she needs to so the cancer cells would die. Thank you for Hank being healed, God. Canada, thank you for um, our brother up in Virginia, Steve. We pray that you get him healed up as well, God. Maria Elena in our church and uh, 
and in our church. So many people needing healing. We thank you for healing people uh, completely of COVID. And more and more, the people had lingering effects like, like Madi or even Ben can't, still can't smell or taste things or, or one or the other. God, you'd heal those uh, people that sell those lingering things that are so bothersome. Uh, feeling bad or, or having issues with taste or issues um, in their in their bodies, which is ongoing. Heal us, Father. Heal us completely and let us worship you in wholeness. And also anoint us for, for service, God. We pray you would anoint people and pour about your spirit so that they share their faith. Thank you for the evangelism team. Thank you for what, what happened with the whosoever's and you continue, God, to raise up saints and raise up an army, God, to share your love for all mankind, for the people that are hurting. Thank you for Victor Marks, who we had the joy of meeting at the airport, God. Thank you. Bless him with his interview with Charlie Kirk and bless him, God, and his ministry abundantly as he risks his life, he and his wife, laying their lives on the line physically to save those that are hurting and abused and have forgotten. So bless him. Bless him, Father, abundantly. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So, yeah, just as a side note, we did get to meet Victor Marks. Those of you who know him, you might look up his ministry. He was on our airplane coming into Dallas. It was a great privilege for us to meet such a phenomenally strong man of God, dedicated, a, kind of a modern Paul, risking it all, laying his life on the line every day for the souls of anyone who would hear the gospel and having a, a heart for the, for the hurting. So look him up, Victor Marks, pretty cool. So we'll see you guys tomorrow. Uh, I don't know. Tomorrow is Sunday. I will try and get a podcast out. I um, don't know if I can do it today, but if I get a chance, if at all possible, we will. But if not, why don't you just try and go ahead and read for tomorrow, Sunday, the 5th, will be Psalm 92 and Psalm 93, 1 Chronicles 7, Psalm 92, Psalm 93, 1 Chronicles 7, and Luke 23. I'll do that again. Psalm 92 and Psalm 93. The next chapter in Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 7, and Luke 23. Okay? That'll do it. God bless you guys. Bye-bye.